Yo, what's up everybody? How's everybody doing? Welcome to another episode of Beauty and the Breakdown. I'm gonna have a little uh, part two session here of There's Power in a Name. Uh, the first episode, you know, I talked about this power in the name of Jesus and how accurate that is when applied. Um, it is an ongoing, continuous thing to be able to believe and excel in the things of Christ. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, he says that, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Um, people mock Christianity. They make fun of it, and they say things like, Oh, it's just for the weak. Well, let me remind you that the next time you actually hear someone say Christians are weak and we're strong and blah, 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 blah. Just remember the men of the Old Testament and some in the New Testament and what they went through because of who they were and what they believed in. It made them so strong and so wise, and so full of love, that it made an impact that it's not only going to last for thousands and thousands of years as it has already, but it will last for an eternity. And here's a little bit I found on TikTok. Check it out. King David battled depression. Job, hopelessness. Elijah was literally suicidal. King Solomon hated his life. And Jeremiah wished he'd never been born. The Bible doesn't hide these stories. So we don't have to either. Anxiety is not a sin. Depression is not a sin. Mental illness is not a sin. Feeling depressed doesn't mean you lack faith any more than being happy means you have it. We don't somehow protect God's reputation by pretending to be okay all the time when we're not. God loves you now, not some future version we're trying to get to first. I love the fact that I can take any situation in my life and have faith in God and he makes the situation greater, more fruitful and beneficial to others, and more prolonged, and it satisfies deep down inside of my soul. There's power in his name because of the way that that operates in and of itself. Despite all of my imperfections, I have that to rely on. And that name is above every name. And that is why it is so powerful because it is overall. It's above everything. It's magnificent. It's joyful. It's grand. It is beautiful. It's the real deal. And speaking of the real deal, we all have our imperfections. We're all imperfect. And we're all expecting each other to be at a different level of perfection to satisfy our own desires all the time. Hence the words, first impression. I can't stand it. And a lot of people down here in the South, they care about first appearances. They care about what you talk like and what you look like. Oh, it matters. It matters so much what you wear and what kind of car you have. 
Because if you ain't got that, you ain't nothing but a dirty old dog. Bless your heart. Poor piece of crap. It makes me want to throw up, man. Like, I... Oh, man, I'm so glad that I'm into punk and I'm into metal and I don't walk around trying to impress people with my fancy stuff and lifestyle of shenanigans that are just pointless and stupid. Um, I just have so many um, edgy feelings about so many things, but my imperfections um, are something that I feel from time to time are quite beneficial to me because I can talk your head off or I can be very silent to the point to where it's absolutely annoying. And sometimes I have no idea why I do those things, but I know sometimes what comes with that package is boldness because uh, I will say what everyone is thinking sometimes and I'm the one that gets in trouble for it. Um, and I really don't care. I, re I really don't. Um, but there are names of people that you hear and you remember and that you recognize by their fruits. And what I, what I mean by recognized by their fruits, if you don't know what that means, scripturally speaking, it means that what they've done in their last lifetime has a lasting impact, their legacy. Uh, I want to play another clip from this chick that I found on TikTok that put all the names together in a certain way to shine out their imperfections. This is a different clip than the one before, so check this one out too. Joseph was abused. Job went bankrupt. Moses had a speech problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute, Samaritan woman, she was divorced, Noah was a drunk, Jeremiah was young, Jacob was a cheater, David was a murderer, Jonah ran from God, Naomi was a widow, Peter denied Christ three times, Martha worried about everything, Zacchaeus was small and money hungry, the disciples fell asleep while praying, and Paul, a Pharisee who persecuted, persecuted Christians before becoming one. So God has a history and has always had a thing for choosing imperfect, flawed, broken, and weak people. Always. I mean, that it really it comes up time and time again in the Bible. But why? Because He's perfect when we are imperfect. He's pure when we are impure. He's whole and complete when we are broken. He is strong when we are weak. And through our lack, He shows how He is able to work all things together for good to those who love him. He is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ask or think. Do you notice how all of those names have their weaknesses? All of those people, every single one of them and their flaws are things that other people look at and point their finger at and accuse people of doing, and even like from believer to believer, they'll be like, well, that's sin in your life, and that's why you've got all that. I want to chicken choke people like that. It makes me sick to my stomach. I can't stand it. I hate that kind of judgment. God is not like that. And for a person to become that way, to walk around and point the finger and tell them how to live uh, and their accent changes when they start preaching. It just makes me, I, 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 uh, I'd rather have eight colostomy bags 
stapled to my forehead than to ever have to listen to anyone like that. Ever. 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 <sighs> well, there's the truth. So, there's power in a name. There's power in Jesus' name. And while consuming all the facts about Jesus and looking at it and realizing that he actually lived a sinless life, and he's the only one that's done it, he has done it. He did it. Psalm 22, the Messianic Psalm. It's the Psalm that, you know, Christ quoted. Wow, that's a tongue twister. Christ quoted while on the cross. Say that 50 times really fast. Let me read it to you. Um, it says, Psalm 22, it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day and you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you were enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They've trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by people. All who see me mock me. They hurl their insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Yet you have brought me out of the womb and you made me trust in you even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me for trouble is near and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them. They cast lots for my garment. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword. My precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations will bow down before him, for dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All 
who go down to the dust will kneel before him and those who cannot keep themselves alive. Prosperity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. That is the Messianic Psalm. That was written a long time before Jesus was nailed to the cross. That is a fitting description of the sacrificial lamb that was pierced for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of peace was upon him. I love it. That's why his name is above all the names. There are gods that require sacrifices of even your children, you know? And uh, there was a test of faith that Abraham had as he was, you know, going out into the wilderness and God told him to go slay your son and like he was going to be obedient to the Lord. And and right before he did it, the Lord said, stop, because he was testing Abraham. I am so glad that we can choose to worship a God that set a sacrifice for us and we don't have to bring an offering or sacrifice to the Lord. And that's where we are today. All we have to do is believe in the name of Jesus and we are saved. Call upon him and he will answer. I want to talk about another name that I uh, have for a hero of mine, and it's my daughter, Lena, that passed away in 2010. Her full name is Evangeline Joy Ray. We named her Evangeline because we went down to Florida to visit my father uh, this was the first time that uh, my wife at the time, baby mama, was um, she was pregnant with the twins, and Lena was a twin of my other daughter, Karis. And um, Crystal, who is baby mama, I keep calling her that, but uh, Crystal met my stepmom, uh, Evangeline, which we called her Vanjie for short, and they... They got along so well. They were like pays and carrots. And um, Crystal wanted to name Lena Evangeline, and we obviously would call her Lena. But the name Evangeline means to evangelize. Joy is joy. So when you evangelize to someone and it works, joy comes and takes over the heart. Karis... In Greek, with a K-H-A-R-I-S, which cannot be picked up um, through talk text and spelled correctly, uh, we find that there's several imperfect paths to be taken, not by choice, when trying to tell someone that name, which is kind of funny. But um, Karis' name means grace. Rebecca, her middle name, means to tie together or to bind to something. And if you know Karis, it really makes sense. The way that she's committed, ties herself, and binds herself to things. It's wild how that name fits her. She's quite a firecracker. Um, but the names are powerful, and they deliver. And I think that the name Evangeline Joy is quite a substantial amount of power impacted in a name and it's blasting out even though she's passed away and no longer with us. She's living on. 
I talk about her. I um, give it as part of my testimony of how God has used her in my life to, to really share how powerful and real he actually is. Her story of her being sick before she was even born, and we knew that she wasn't going to be with us long, and we had a choice to keep her around or to go ahead and abort the child. Um, we were even we got sent to a specialist. They found that she had um, hydrocephalus, which is where the fluid swells up in the brain and it doesn't drain correctly, so the skull expands. Uh, it causes a lot of brain complications. She had to have um, shunts put in, um, and shunts help drain the fluid down to the spine. Um, where that's supposed to go and to operate in a normal function. She ended up having, during the duration of her lifetime, 75 shunt revisions. Uh, the shunts would quit. She would be in extreme pain, and there would be lots of, you know, pretty intense days. Um, a little child like that that doesn't know how to communicate communicates through screaming and agony, and it's sad. She also had some issues with her stomach, and we she couldn't digest, and we had to put a little G-tube into her stomach, which she had until, I think, from the age of about two until she passed. Um, there were lots of complications. She never walked, but she could crawl, and you put her down on that floor, and she was gone, and she would laugh, she would cry, she would communicate in different ways, but she truly was just a glimpse into heaven, true selflessness, and absolute real joy. She really was joy. In, in, inside of, outside of all those imperfections and the struggles that she had in her own body and the struggles that we had as a family, the, the reality in her life and just the the way that it just shines love is almost, it's very, very difficult to describe. I played in the first podcast, the man coming out of the Asbury revival, because something stuck out to me in that recording where he said, you can feel the glory when you walk into that room. And I know what that's like. And it is, it hit me like an atomic bomb when I heard that man say that with that much emotion in his voice. It hit me so hard because when Lena passed away and we were in that hospital room and I told you guys about how something was in the room and we knew it was God and I knew it was her as well. She was just hanging around for just a little while longer just so we could say our goodbyes. And... You could feel the glory of the Lord in the room. You could feel everything, the peace and the beautiful day that it was and just everything about even turning and talking to someone else. Everything was in a moment that it was just so overwhelming, but it was sad and but there was no anger. She fought so hard just to live. And she went through so much 
just to live. And what's crazy about it is I'm walking through the hallway one day and I get a hallway at church at the time and I get I get stopped by a pastor that you know asked about her. And I said that she had been through um some an, a few other surgeries and we're hoping that this one works and he just said my you know she's your little hero. Oh man, that stuck with me so hard. That's on her tombstone on the plaque on her grave plaque. It says uh, Evangeline Joy Ray, our little hero. So I feel her with me everywhere I go. I know that she's she's in heaven and she's walking and running around. And it's crazy. There were dreams that I've had. I had a dream once uh, that I was in my high school gymnasium, that I walked in through the doors on the ground level basketball floor, and I looked up into the bleachers, and there were purple lights, and it seemed like what well, was fog machines that had filled the room with fog. And I could see certain silhouettes of people uh, moving around as if they were waiting on something to be fulfilled so that they could move on. And I started walking up the bleachers, not by the stairs, but by the gaps of the bleachers, you know, like big steps, because I was following the sound that I uh, recognized in my head as Lena, because she used to do this thing where she would move her arm back and forth and it would hit the rail of her chair, either if she was happy or if she was in pain. She would just sling her arm and it would hit her chair. So I heard that sound. So I started following that sound. And the lights were moving back and forth, kind of like, you know, stage lights at a concert. And it was tricking my eyes because I was just seeing these silhouettes of these people again. I would get closer to them and they would, they would keep moving off. And that just sent me a message that maybe, you know, this is not what I'm looking for. So I kept going towards the sound. Once I got as close as I could to the sound, I noticed Lena's wheelchair. I noticed I saw her little helmet that she wore. And I saw her arm going back and forth, back and forth. And I used to catch her arm. And I had this dream months after she had died because I had a very hard time because I never got the proper closure with her, I felt. I just didn't get to say goodbye. And I followed that sound and I ran up when I realized it was her and I saw her little helmet and her arm going back and forth. And before her arm could hit that chair one more time, I grabbed her arm to keep it from hitting the chair. And she turned and looked at me and our eyes made contact with each other. And she just looked at me really fast and went <sighs> with joy. And I woke up and I sobbed for months, dude. I sobbed. I could never get over that dream. It was the most real reality and everything from the feeling and the taste and the smell and the atmosphere of, the, of where I was. It was just, it was exactly what I needed. Some wild stuff. My dad, before he passed away, uh, he died from Parkinson's disease and he was at the full-blown, like medicine wasn't doing any good anymore. And he had a dream that 
he was out in a field walking along a fence and he was, he knew that he was coming to an end and he could barely really talk anymore. Uh, he could still kind of tell you, but it just took a little bit extra longer. The tremors were bad. He was developing a brain tumor. Uh, but he told me that he had a dream that he was walking alongside a fence out in a field. And the closer he got to what he thought was the end of a fence, it ended up being a little girl with red hair with the exact um, representation or image of Lena. And when he got there, he looked down at her and she said to him, everything is going to be okay. So going back to the closure thing, I never really got to say goodbye to her. The morning that she passed away, I was at work and I was driving the truck around from the back of the shop to the front parking lot because I had forgotten my tape measure. And I get a, te- I get a call from Crystal saying that they can't start her heart. They can't start her heart. I need you to come to the hospital right now. And I got out of the truck so fast, I actually left it in drive without even telling anybody, uh, the other guy, why I got out of the truck. I just got out of the truck and ran and into the office to go get my keys to get into my personal car to leave uh you know the day before i saw her and we were sitting up in the hospital room because crystal would call me and said hey can you come up here and i'll take the girls back to the house i just need to get out of here for just a little while she'd been up there for days so i sat up there with lena for like two hours and lena was just playing with her toys and we were hanging out for a little bit and she got kind of hungry got to feed her and i gave her a kiss on the forehead and and walked out the door and then the next morning when i saw her she she's passed away it's very difficult. I don't um I don't I don't get mad at God about any of this. I knew that her life was going to be short. I knew that um I didn't know how many days we were going to have with her like I said you know, uh, they told us that she, we'd never leave the hospital with her at first. Uh, they probably told us, I mean, they told us at first she wouldn't come out of the womb. Then they told us that she wouldn't leave the hospital. And then they told us that she'd never crawl, you know. And then she did end up, you know, doing all of those things. She never walked or, you know, said a full sentence or anything like that. But she was our hero. She fought and she fought and she lived through so much. Uh, and I wanted to connect this story about my little hero to how I got that card at that church from the man that became my boss at the company that I was working for at the time when all of this took place. Because if I hadn't been working at that company during the time Lena had the 75 shunt revisions and having to be out of work that much to make sure that all the rest of our little girls could go to school, be picked up, come home. They were babies, you know? They were all in elementary school when this was happening. I would have gotten fired from any other job. And what's crazy is that man handed me that card, and I kept it in my wallet, and I I grew on that verse spiritually. But I turned around, you know, a month and a half later or so after receiving that card and I asked him for a job because I lost a job and 
he said, well, we're not hiring right now. You know, call me back in about a month. And I said, well, okay. Well, I thought to myself, you know, I don't have a month. So I call him back a week later, you know, because I felt something stirring in my stomach to, you know, call the man, see if he's, you know, hiring now. So I did. And sure enough, he just scored a big old job. It was at Rebath at the time. And we did the Holiday Inn downtown Charlotte. And he said, yeah, I actually need some help. Come on in. So he, I went to go. I met his son and him and we worked in that hotel until we did every room and man that was the start of some beautiful friendships and some uh just a great time working for a great company that paid the bills and allowed some flexibility for family hell even when i started taking off in my music when my marriage wasn't working out and i had to just you know get back into what i was good at they allowed me to have time for that, but they knew I was going to be there on a Monday morning. And I met some of the best people ever. And it's so wild how everything ties together. It is so wild, dude. Um, I love it. I love how everything is bonded and tied together. And that's what makes me think of Karis. And the twins are just a story in and of themselves. And now it's like I'm around Karis all the time and they were identical twins. And I just look at her and I think to myself all the time, God, if I had two of them <laughs> now, I mean, what would that be like? I mean, it would be so wild. And they were so close, you know, just just beautiful. The whole thing is just beautiful. And there's, <laughs> I, people ask me, aren't you mad at God for taking your child? Yes, because it does say that, you know, in the book of Job, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But going back to the fear of God, if he created everything, how big is, is big? You know, I mean, to... We look out into the universe. We got the James Webb telescope flying around out there, taking lots of pictures. You know, but uh, how small is small? And how big we must be to the other small things that our eye can't even see. And how small we are to the bigger things that our eyes can't even see. I'm talking Horton, here's a who. Just imagine that if you've never thought about how small things are, okay? Until you saw that movie. Because most of the time we look up into a free space show every night, unless there's clouds, you know. But I think about the opposite direction all the time. I think about how small things are. I think about how small we are, and I think about how big and grand God is, and it blows my mind. And I, regardless of size, something created everything and it's just beautiful. So I'm just going to put my hope into Jesus part of it. And I'm going to move on. And if you don't like it, well, I hope my words can kind of convince you because I love you. And I hope that the love gives your heart what it needs. It's like I hope it's Duke mayonnaise, Duke's mayonnaise, not Miracle Whip. Even though the miracle in the Miracle Whip sounds good. But Miracle Whip sucks. <laughs> so I want to read another psalm. And it's Psalm 25. And it says, in you, Lord, my God, I put my trust. 
I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful towards those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in ways they should choose. They will spend their days in prosperity and their descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. Look upon my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. See how numerous are my enemies and how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life and rescue me. Do not let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. My integrity and uprightness protect me because my hope, Lord, is in you. Deliver Israel, O God, from all their troubles. I wanted to read that psalm and I wanted to read the Messianic psalm, Psalm 22. Plaster those two together, read them back to back, and you'll see the formula here that I'm trying to point out. And that formula is the actual sacrificial, beautiful majesty of everything that the cross does. And then you see how it delivers you from your sin, your depression, your anxiety, and how you can call on the name of the Lord and what happens when you're saved and how he takes the inside of your heart and instills a hope in you. It doesn't turn you into the person that everyone points at and says, those Christians hate fags. And, you know, they do the rebellious sign thing and they're out there, you know, doing their own crap that has absolutely no benefit whatsoever. They're doing it wrong. It teaches you how to love. It teaches you how to respect others. It teaches you how to fear the Lord. And when you fear God, you're in awe of God and you love him even more than you did the second before. And it grows leaps and bounds by a thousand miles per step. It's absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So I got a couple more scripture readings for you and some clips, and then we're going to call it a day. So... Psalm 34, verses 8 through 13. It says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, and listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord 
Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Man, that's one of the reasons right there why I'm Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7 is to seek God, seek Jesus and the peace that transcends, transcends and surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. You'll be transformed. It, there's like a newness that happens, dude. It's crazy how it works. Same Psalm, Psalm 34, but this one's verses 17 and 18. It says, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all of their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. If you're crushed and you're having a hard time and you're seeking God or you don't know how to seek God, all you have to do is talk to him like you're talking to somebody else. That's all you got to do, man. If you're struggling with addictions and you can't get out of it and you still believe in God, it's okay. You just need to keep going. You need to, you need to, pursue, you need to pursue your sobriety. But you need, to, you, need to, you need to keep talking to God and you need to talk to others and you need to confess what you're going through to someone else so they can help you out as well. If you're someone that needs medicine, take the medicine. If you're someone that just needs counseling, get counseling. If you're someone that whines and complains about all your personal issues online, don't do that. Stop. Reach out to someone on a personal level. Reach out to me if you need to. I don't care. But stop letting the world know about your problems because too many opinions don't help. And if it's, if it's the attention that you're seeking from others, I think you're going the wrong way. I think you need to just get, you need to get some personal, intimate companionship one-on-one -on -one to really get through something because it's, our, our digital screens are not the best answers. So... I want to wrap this thing up and uh, I want to go back to the California thing because the California thing stuck out to me. It stuck out to me for a couple of reasons. There's a, there's a lot of bad crap that's been happening out of California for a long time. And I'm surprised it's not happening in Washington, DC, to be honest with you. Um, but I, I have a feeling that it's some kind of form of judgment and I will say that I do leave room at the table to be wrong. I would love to be wrong. I would love to be wrong. I hope it's just a bad weather system moving in from the West and it's going to blow through. But I want to play a couple of clips that were like a, a week ago. So this is a little late. And by the time that this episode posts, hello, it's like a blast from the past because I usually record them a week early. So it'll be two weeks late. But this was a weather system that was coming through on California and this dude was talking about it. And um, it just keeps getting worse and worse. Check this out. Timestamp this video is March 13th, 2023. Just to give you a warning of the powerful bomb cyclone that's about to hit in the early morning hours of March 14th. There's been reports of levees breaking, dams opening their emergency spillways. This will lead to more flooding, landslides, and sinkholes all over California. I would make emergency action plans immediately and act upon them. Something to be aware of, prepare, and be safe. Wow, this is becoming quite a storm, guys. Very intense atmospheric river coming into Southern California. 
deepening low pressure in the central Pacific known as a bomb cyclone. Damaging winds are on tap. This is going to be a wild Tuesday. So, I want to say about there being power in a name. In the name of Jesus. And with there being faith in Jesus. And people calling on him and the name working by its power and its anointing and the love that it's supposed to be intended for. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. I connect that to the whole California thing. I connect that to Israel as it states in the Bible for thousands of years. He's so freaking patient with everything. How he says he longs to gather Israel together as a hen gathers her chicks. And if you understand what a hen does when it does that, it's a beautiful, beautiful comparison. I think also if you look at the revivals that are happening, not only in Asbury uh, here recently, but there are revivals happening all over the world. People are flocking to faith. People are tired of hatred. And they are exhausted from just the burden of life. And I think that what's happening right now is we're seeing a movement of God um, like never before. And I'm glad that I'm on that side and pursuing God because the peace in my life is amazing. And it's proof to me that it actually works. And I just got to share it with everybody. I think and I know that if a whole state or if a whole nation submitted themselves to God and believed, as it says, that he would heal their land and hear them from heaven, I think that that's what works. And I think that a lot of people just hate God because of what somebody else has told them and they've never really looked into it. Or they hate God because people have been done wrong, severely wrong by people who supposedly follow the Lord. And I'm sorry if anything like that has ever happened to you. But I think that if you just look inside yourself and cry out or ask him, not necessarily cry out. Maybe you're not at the part point where you have to cry out. Maybe you're just at the point where, you know, you could try something on. Like, you know, when you go shopping and you see a pair of pants that you want to try on. Just to see how you look in those pants. Just to try it out. Wouldn't hurt. Because he'll show up. 
He's got a real powerful name. And it heals. And it is the name, but it's also him. It's calling on him, you know. It's not like you're just like, I'm going to name this cake Jesus and it's going to heal everybody. No, 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 no. It's like, you know, it's, it's Jesus. You're calling on Jesus. The name, how powerful it is. And when you have faith in him and you use his name, it does miraculous things. He's awesome. He's my hero. I called on his name and he transformed my life. Alcohol, gone. Anxiety, to the point that it was, gone. Depression, to the point that it was, gone. I have him as my medicine now. I'm not, like I said in the earlier episodes, I'm not the person that needs the medicine. There are people that need the medicine, okay? So let's just... Let's back off before you you get out your phone and you start angry texting me. There's something out there for everybody. But, you know, you can you can still be a believer in God and take the medicine. There's power in a name. There's power in my in my daughter's name and it lives on and her story is so powerful and it 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 makes me who I am today. And he makes me who I am today. And I live for him now. He wrote this story. He knows everything that's going to happen. And I'm so glad that everything has happened the way that it has happened. Because he knew it. And he's in control. And I love it. And I enjoy it. And I'm just a joyful person. I still cut up and I still say, you know, wrong crap from time to time. I'm a very loud, um, animated person. But since I quit drinking, um, I'm a little timid in person now. I don't really, I sit back and I just, uh, I observe everything more than, you know, I don't get to the party first and I'm not the last to leave anymore. I, I'm a pro ghoster. I will be there and be like, yeah, yeah, last week. You know, I'm, I'm just gone. No one ever knows. But Christ will build his kingdom with the broken things of earth. Grace makes beauty out of ugly things. And there's no other large amount of grace than the cross. The cross is where it's at. The sacrifice. In your own time, I would challenge you. If you're listening to this podcast and you have not given your life to Christ or you haven't even tried it, because, you know, like me, you're going to fail. You're, you, you might not. You might be like a, a friggin' Mother Teresa or a Billy Graham. Like right when you get lit, you're like, ta-da! And you're like, you know, you're, you're on it. And you never fall off the wagon. Me, I fell off the wagon. I fell off hard. But he's still there. He's still there, dude. And I think that if you, if you try it, Get in your own 
reading time and read Psalms 22, Psalm 25, and Psalm 34. It will literally take you five minutes and just soak in that for a bit and ask God to show up. I dare you. He'll do it. He loves you more than you have ever even imagined what the fullest amount of love could possibly be. I want to play a little clip that just shows you how much God actually loves you and thinks about you and has you on his mind. I hope that you take this with a grain of sand, literally. I love you guys, and until next time, peace be with you. You know, science tells us that there are 500 million grains of sand in one cubic square foot of beach. Of course, we'd have to go down that far. So let me ask you a question. How many grains of sand do you think are on this beach? And what about the ocean floor? And what about the dunes that are backing me up here? And that's just one beach. What about all the deserts of the world? or the golf courses with the sand traps. Why am I saying this? Because Psalm 139 tells us that the thoughts that God has about us individually outnumber every grain of sand that's on this planet. Do you understand how valuable you are to God? You do not think a lot about something that is invaluable to you. When I think of my wife, Lisa, I love her deeply. In our 40 years of marriage, if I added up every thought that I've had about her, I wouldn't get a cubic foot of beach. But God has thought about you more than the grains of sand on the planet. That's the truth. And that's how valuable you are to him.